Hello and welcome to the Creative Lotus Podcast. I'm your host, Alan Zaki. Hello. The- <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, we're not going to Wow, that this. was amazing. Okay. Okay, ready and actually, hold on. Welcome to this week's episode of the Creative Lotus Podcast. I'm Alan Zaki, your host. Today's guest is Gene Kang with KTLA and France 24. Welcome, Gene. Hi, Alan. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. Thank you so much for joining today's podcast. Yeah. Um, so for our listeners, I just wanted to kind of give some background on uh, who you are. So uh, where were you born and raised? I was born and raised in the coldest city in America, otherwise known as Chicago, Illinois. Burr. Um, yeah, my parents uh, went there in 1976, and then boop, a year later I was born. Wow. Yeah. Nice. A long time ago. I know you're looking at me like, oh, old, calculating. Stop, stop. No. Um, so then how long have you been here in LA? And like, I know that you have a history kind of being all over the country and not just in Chicago, but kind of where, what's your journey um, ultimately getting to Los Angeles? Um, the non-boring story is that I was born and raised in Chicago, so I spent, um, you know, my twenties, my early twenties in there, and then my dream career of being a TV reporter took off. Um, I'm a Buddhist, uh, and, you know, really chanting Nam Myoho Renge Kyo really, um, helped me boost my career in many ways, and doors started to just open up that were closed for so long. Um, so I started in Chicago. I did behind the scenes. I was a production assistant. I was the intern um, who got the coffee for the senior journalists. I what they call back then in the early or late 90s was ripping scripts, where you physically had to take the scripts for the anchors from um, a printer that was like triplicate, and it was in white blue and pink and then you'd have to give that to the anchors to read so that carbon copies yeah i mean that's how old it was and then we had these like old school tapes and stuff so i went from chicago got my experience there and then i started in amarillo texas um my first job there was as an anchor i had no idea what i was doing had (laughs) no on-camera experience um i absolutely thought uh karen king the news director there was crazy for giving me a job wow because i was like okay i've always done behind the scenes stuff and you're going to just put me onto your noon show and have me solo anchor. And yes, I've burned all the tapes. I was horrible. (laughs) I was just absolutely so bad. And um, it was so old school that I remember on the anchor set, we had a foot pedal, almost like you're driving a car. So you did double duty. You edited your stories. Yes, you put the videos together. We'd come in at like 2 o'clock in the morning for the morning show. And then I'd be there with the uh, co-anchor. And then Adrian and I, I remember she was about to give birth and we would anchor the shows and her water broke actually in the newsroom. No yes. And then I had to call. I freaked out. I was like, oh no. And then I had to call 911. But you know, these are some really funny golden memories. This is a long way to answer your question. But there was a foot pedal where you had to run the prompter yourself. Stop. I was so, just going to ask you, what does this foot pedal do? There's a Not foot, Yes. And so like, I uh, remember one time my foot got a little too irky jerky. Oh. And then the words went rip, like 60 <laughs> miles an blew. hour. Yeah. The script was like rip. And then I go up. Oh, Okay, and like, <laughs> so, um, but yeah, no, in the beginning, you did a lot of stuff on your own, whereas it's very different here in LA. You obviously have a photographer, and sometimes you have a lighting person, audio person, and all that. You know, right. you work in the business right. in that way, too. Right. 
Um, but then I went from Amarillo, Texas to South Bend, Indiana to be closer to my husband because it was closer to Chicago. Got it. Um, and then went to uh, Louisville, Kentucky. Ooh, yeah, Kentucky. Kentucky. Yes. Um, so I covered things like uh, Churchill Downs and the Kentucky wow. Derby, which was a great experience. And then I ended up in San Diego and then now here in um, fun L.A. Amazing. So... I guess, I mean, it sounds like you've had multiple experiences. Is that kind of like the, in your industry um, as a reporter, is that kind of the quote unquote normal or the the way for you to kind of move ahead is you start at somewhere kind of small and then mm-hmm. work your way up to larger markets? Yes, that's exactly how it works. I mean, I know that's the old school way. Like you just really work your way up and you work hard. Mm-hmm. And so when people think about TV news, they're like, oh, that must be a glamorous life. Right. No. Yeah. It's not. It's, you have to get used to, especially if you're like in a, in a small city. I remember I always go back to Amarillo, Texas, because I was there for 11 months. And I remember asking people like at the station and trying to make friends for that 11 months. I was like, so what do you do here for fun? They're like, we got a Walmart. Not Walmart. Yes. And that was legit the answer. And I go, wow. are you joking? And I would laugh. And, <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny <laughs> no but for real what do you do for fun and they're like oh sometimes you get a cocktail downtown well downtown is like half a block and that's it i mean it was oh so small my. so like you know i'm from chicago it's a big met- metropolitan area very diverse and then to have to go from that to that where people literally wore cowboy boots and spurs yep to walmart Yes, Walmart. Well, you know. The people of Walmart.com is no yeah. joke. You, there's a reason for it. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I went to Walmart. Yes. Nothing against it. But, no, not at all. But it was a culture shock, definitely. Got it. So of all the cities that you've kind of worked in and been a part of, obviously you said, you know, shout out to LA. You're, you've been here for how long now? Three years. Right. Yeah. And um, you obviously seem to love Los Angeles in the sense of like what you're doing now with KTLA yeah. and France 24. So... Um, you know, what is, um, I guess, what has been your like drive, I guess, in order to kind of keep you moving and going across the country and ultimately Mm. landing on the West coast? Mm. I don't know. It's, you know, it's funny because like when you're, I don't know if you have this experience, but as I get older, like I had to actually calculate my age. I thought I was going to be 43 in August (laughs) this whole time. Oh, my God. And so I was at the doctor's office this morning just, you know, getting something checked out. Mm -hmm. And then you had to fill out your date of birth. And then they asked how old. And I was about to put 42. Mm -hmm. I'm actually going to be 44. (gasps) And so this whole time, I'm like, I got it wrong. But the point of my story is that (laughs) as I get older, it's interesting because like really wonderful memories come up about, you know, childhood. And one of them was, I remember coming here to Southern California, especially growing up in Chicago, where Mm -hmm. it's a frozen tundra. Right. Like I remember having like three feet of snow. You had to leave your car there and it was parked there forever. You're like, I can't get it out. But I remember coming here and I just remember that people had this experience of like seeing the mountains and the palm trees and then, oh, do you want to go to the beach or no, do you want to go skiing? I'm like, that's not possible in the Midwest. Everything is super flat. Um, But I remember as a kid dreaming of living here when I was 16. Wow. So my aunt actually lives in Diamond Bar. So does my uh, two of my cousins. And I would visit them all the time. And I was like, this is a dream come true. And then now to be able to live here, I actually, I, I really do appreciate it. Wow. I mean, there's some give and take. It's LA, of you course. know, yeah. but it's, uh, for me, it's a happy place. Yeah. Nice. So how did you really, 
how, I mean, obviously you were given the opportunity in Amarillo, Texas to go and become kind of like the news desk anchor and pressing with, that pedal with a foot pedal. <laughs> yes. With a foot pedal that still, I, I feel like that's like a Lucille ball, like gag, like let's go, honey, <laughs> click it, click it, click it, like push it, push it, push it, push it. I'm going to get it. With the chocolates coming down exactly, the line. Yeah. And yes. then you're just trying to like read the words as fast as yeah. you can. And off you have to just like stuff your face. Yeah. Just yeah. get the words out. Quickly. And today in Amarillo, Texas, we're going to go in and then we got to go. And then back to Eugene. Uh, what? Um, but no, so I guess like why, why news uh, would be my question in the sense of like what really drew you to uh, the storytelling or reporting kind of aspect of what you do? Hmm. That's kind of a really deep question. Um, actually, the first time that I ever, so the first time that I ever was turned on to journalism or whatever, even though I didn't even know what it was, mm -hmm. is when I was in elementary school and I have a distinct memory of a newspaper reporter coming up to us. And I was like, I don't know. 10 or 11 at the time and my friend joey he was like one of those magical geniuses like he was good at calculus he was good at everything right and even spelling and i was like i hate you <laughs> like he was so smart right but you know Damn you, joey i know joey gosh what are you doing with your life now um but <laughs> he's probably the next steve jobs but mm. call me <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah no we were we were in the spelling bee and he was doing so well and i was like you know i was doing okay but i re distinctly remember like he must have been in his 20s he came over and he started just asking us questions and he had a notepad and he was writing down with a pen oh so how old are you what school did you go to how far did you get in the spelling bee and for some reason that stuck with me because i was like i felt um listened to mm. for one of the first times or like you felt like you had the spotlight. Right. So the person being interviewed was like, wow, it's all about you. Like, I actually want to know what you think. I want to know your thought process and, you know, your dreams and your goals and all this kind of, you know, you could talk about anything. Right. So for me, I think that that seed was planted, if you will. And then it just grew when I ran into a family friend. Hmm. And Leanne Kim is actually, she's a former anchor in San Diego. But during my senior year of college, she pulled me over during her wedding, during oh, wow. the reception. And she's like in this beautiful dress, right? Of course. And I'm like this awkward 19 or 20 year old. And I was like just sitting at the table by myself. And she came over and started talking. And she's like, all of a sudden, I mean, this is her wedding. She's like, what do you think about a, a job in broadcast journalism? Would that be a career that you're interested in? Wow. And I'm like, what the F is happening right now? I'm like, she should be enjoying, she'd be dancing with her now husband. Right. And I was like, why is she asking me this? So she must have seen something in me that kind mm. of screamed out, vain TV person. Stop. <laughs> no, no, I cannot. <laughs> not TV. Vain TV person. Vain TV personality. No, no, no. But um, <laughs> you're far from that. But so. she actually, I, she, it was interesting because even at that age, I was pre-med mm. because my parents were dead set on their firstborn child, either being a doctor, engineer, or a lawyer. Right. So actually I was on that path and I was taking pre-med courses and I hated it. Right. I hated math. I hated science. Somehow I passed yes. and I was like, I don't know, I guess this is what I'm going to do. And I think she literally was the one who changed the course, at least of my career path. Wow. And she said, we, we need more Asian men in TV. Mm. I think you could do that. And she saw a potential within me I never saw. Wow. So I was like, I feel very fortunate. And I'm still very good friends with her 
today. Nice. No, I mean, I think that it all, it always takes like that one person to believe in you to yeah, be able to kind totally. of completely, it could completely change the tra- tra- trajectory of, you know, your life. Um, Helen, I believe in you. Oh, thank you so much. I Jean. really do. Um, so, um, you know, growing up in Chicago and now being kind of here in California, um, you know, obviously I think all of us have personal struggles, but you know, through those struggles that maybe you've had throughout mm-hmm. your entire career, but mm-hmm. also personally, um, how have those helped you to become like more creative and kind mm-hmm. of actually influence the work that you do? Um, I would have to say, well, first of all, personally and career wise, it's interesting because I used to compartmentalize everything okay. like, okay, this is my TV career. And then this is my life with my now husband, or mm-hmm. this is my relationship with my, my mom and dad. And right. Um, now as I get older, I realize everything is always in flux and everything's totally interconnected. Mm-hmm. And so what I learned from my career is that, you know, number one, as long as you keep on going, cause you're going to fall. I make mistakes all the time before. If you talk to me, maybe like 15 years ago when I was starting off, I was very into like self, um, being overly critical of myself. Hmm. Right. And almost to the point where I was like mentally, at least beating myself up if I made a mistake. I was like, well, when when we talk, of course, on live television, you're going to make a mistake. There's no such thing as a perfect report. Right. Or you can always improve on something. But I would dwell on that kind of stuff for days Mm. or to the point where it really got to me. And I was like, oh, maybe I'm in the wrong business. I'm not doing this right. But that's also was connected personally to my my self-confidence level, if you will. Right. And, you know, there's no, no, nothing wrong with, um, improvement, self-improvement. You always want to get better. But then I also realized that that kind of bled into my family life. Mm-hmm. And then even with my relationship of, you know, let's not disparage myself. Right. And I think with the experience in the career, the better, you know, that you get at it, that builds the confidence, right. but you have to make the mistakes. You know, Absolutely. that's just part and parcel of life. Um, and I have to say too, I had a long distance relationship with my husband, Dan, right. for 11 years. And that taught me a lot about life. Wow. Like you have to be very patient. You know, I remember taking so many plane rides and driving thousands of miles back and forth, but you know, that kind of spirit of, you know what, we're going to make this work. Right. And I think I, that, that resonated with my family, with my parents and then also in my career too. Like yeah. you have to make it work. No, that's amazing. I think um, you touched on the fact that you're Buddhist, obviously, and um, you know you chant Nam Myoho Renge Kyo. Um, I guess my question for you is like, <laughs> how long have you been practicing, and kind of where and how did that influence uh, your career choices? I mean, it sounds like it had quite a big influence on your own, you know, self confidence and your ability to kind of keep moving forward. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you could kind of give us some background, maybe how you got introduced to it and, you know, why you really feel it's been something that, you know, has created such value in your life. Yeah. Um, you know what? I think like millions of people, the first person that I ever saw chanting Nam Yurungi Kyo in real life was Tina Turner, mm. as in her movie, What's Love Got to Do With It, with right. Angela Bassett, right? And so that was so powerful. But I, I didn't distinctly remember that she was actually chanting. Right. I just remember she was doing something really cool looking. Mm-hmm. And... I think that's where um, 
the, the seed was planted. And then it was my boss. I was 26 at the time. And uh, Christine, you know, she had this boutique firm and she worked with diversity inclusion with nonprofits, you know, okay. finding like CEOs and CFOs. And so these kinds of change agents that obviously was not what I wanted to go into. Right. Um, but she was so compassionate. I remember during lunch one time, um, she just she just talked about Nam Yohorenge Kyo and how mm. this could change my life. So I think she saw that I was really kind of suffering with anxiety and depression because at 26, I actually gave up on my broadcast journalism career. Wow. I totally gave up. And she hired me when I was um, waiting tables in a Chinese restaurant in Chicago. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I was like, oh, maybe I want to go into the restaurant business. I'm not sure. But she sat me down and she said, if you chant this, all of your dreams will absolutely come true, but you have to put in the work. Right. And I go, oh, this is interesting. And this is the actual proof from it, because maybe a year before that, I had sent out audition tapes, which is kind of like what actors do. They have demo reels or whatnot. You do the same thing in TV business. You send it out all across the country to newsrooms and see if you get any bites. Well, I sent out 100 VHS tapes. This is how old I am. <laughs> so... You, I sent out 100 literally a year before, and I got maybe two responses. Wow. Yeah. And so what I did was I chanted, but then that gave me the energy and what we call life force to try again. I was like, you know what? This news bug has bit me, and I still want to do this for some reason. I think I could do this. And then I sent out a new demo reel, refreshed. I, I hired somebody to help me out. This person was a totally um, someone who coached me, mentored me in that way. And then I sent out those 10 audition tapes and I got three job offers. Wow. And one of them being the anchor job. And mind you, I had never been on television. So right. I was like, you're crazy. Why are you hiring me? But Karen, who gave me my first opportunity, she said, I see something within you. Mm. And I was like, you crazy. Buddhahood. Like, <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah, that's what we call Buddhahood, right. which is this unlimited <clears throat> potential. But you know what? It's, it's really about people helping you, but you also believing in your own potential. Right. Right. Talking about that, and it sounds like, you know, as creatives and people in the industry, if you will, whatever industry that is, mm -hmm. um, it, it takes a lot of like stamina and strength really to be able to like stay with it. And it sounds like, you know, even at, you said at 26, right, that you had kind of given yeah. up, but then kind of got redetermined to totally give up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I can relate. I understand it. It's, there's definitely been times where I've kind of been like, I can't take this anymore. It's um, a lot. It's yeah. a lot to deal with. It's but very it's, stressful. Yeah. It definitely takes someone to really kind of keep you going and ultimately yourself to motivate yourself to get back on it. Um, but if you were to, to list or give, what is your greatest strength? Um, both as, you know, a reporter, but also just as Gene Kang. Hmm. Well, let's see. Um, <laughs> sorry, that's my <laughs> ASMR voice. Um, I would say my greatest strength is just being myself. Mm -hmm. And I, I, that sounds super generic. Let me elaborate a little bit more. I think at least in the TV broadcast industry, there is this battle that's going on because now there is social media, there is mm -hmm. the digital platform. Um, before, let's say Barbara Walters, right? Yep. Baba that Wawa. Baba Wawa, you know, as legendary as she is, 
um, there's this kind of old school battling with the new school. Mm. Um, and I've always been a big believer that you should just 100% be your authentic self. Right. Like, I, you know, even when the camera's on or off, right. that, you know, but then there are broadcasters, you know, to each their own, where, hi, I'm Phil Stone Phillips. And they talk like that right. in real life, too, mm-hmm. at Trader Joe's. Right. And I'm like, is that your real voice? Right. Is that really how you talk to your children and your family and your friends? Right. I mean, so by authentic, I just mean not covering up those parts of yourself. Right. You know, and I really appreciate the fact that KTLA allows me to just be myself. Yeah. And so you put down that wall. That's not always how it is in the broadcast industry. Right. You know, yeah. like you're supposed to be a certain way mm-hmm. or uh, present yourself in, in this manner. Right. Right. So it's very different. Yeah. Well, I feel like you are so authentic and truly yourself in every aspect of your life. And, you know, you obviously shared the fact that you had this long distance relationship with your now husband, Dan, um, and being, you know, someone of the LGBTQIA plus community in broadcast journalism, do you really feel as though you have to, you know, even present yourself even more authentically in order mm. to kind of tell those stories? Or what is your take on that? Um, I think social media helps a lot, actually, because... Yeah, you know, if I'm, for example, you know, one of the coverages that we've done a lot of is COVID. And during a COVID story, I can't, you know, be my crazy fun self. You know, you got to do a real serious broadcast. But, you know, there's opportunities, I think, when you're doing fun entertainment stories or feature stories, community stories, that's when you can just totally be yourself, right? But social media, as much of a negative thing that it can be in a very positive way, it also lets you connect with so many people that worldwide, like nationally and worldwide, you would never be able to meet these people. Right. And I've been blown away about people from the LGBTQIA plus community, um, people from the AAPI, Asian American community, right. um, who've just said, thank you for just being yourself and speaking out. Yeah. And I guess traditionally reporters are not, we're not activists. Right. That's not our job. Right. But I, I'm pretty vocal about, you know, stop AAPI hate, you know, of course, respect the dignity of life as a Buddhist, whatever community you come from. I'm a big supporter of of BLM, you know, but to me, these are all human rights issues. And so I've had a lot of young people reach out. And just the other day, there's a, an an LGGA, which is a LGBTQIA plus uh, community journalist organization. Mm -hmm. And uh, the national director is like, we want you to talk on Zoom to um, LGBTQIA youth, mm-hmm. um, college students who are looking to journalism and new media. Like, could you talk to them nationally on Zoom? And I was like, what? You know, like, <laughs> and this is why I say what, because Alan, I know you know me, but you don't know that I'm actually an introvert. Mm. I'm, I'm an introvert that somehow has pretended or has like kind of transformed himself into an outgoing extrovert. Right. Um, but I think that's definitely because because of practicing Buddhism too. Because I realized that was my weakness. Mm. My weakness was I am so a wallflower. Like that's how I grew up as a kid. You wouldn't even know I was in the room. Mm. I'd like literally be up against the wall like, don't talk to me. Right. Don't talk to me. Leave me alone. Right. You know, like so. This ASMR voice. I I'm so sorry. You're living for this microphone. I don't know why. It's this microphone. Um, but yeah, no, I really believe that y- you're more than what you think you are in this moment. There's there's something more. And so I really had to dig that out. And then I realized I'm like, 
no, there's another crazy side to me. <laughs> and so, so yeah, I guess that makes um, a good reporter. Because I have to talk to, like, strangers, like, yep. literally on the street. Right. And um, reporters get rejected a lot mm -hmm. for interviews. You right. you think everyone wants to be on TV. No. Nine times out of ten, they're like, no, thank you. No, thanks. No, thanks. No, thanks. I got to go to work. Yeah. No, I we don't hear that bothered. all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's, that's <laughs> definitely a thing. No, I mean, I think it's interesting that you say your weakness, if you will, was that you are kind of this introvert, but I do find that majority of people in this industry that are personalities or on social media, yeah. you know, tend to actually be introverted extroverts is what, you know, I think Oprah termed that. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. and I, I actually consider myself to be very much an introverted extrovert. I know. It no, no, hold on. You can't see, but I'm drinking boba. Let me drink my boba. Yeah. Let, his big straw boba. He's just gonna. <laughs> Extra boba, please. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yes, delicious. Yes, thank you for the boba as well. <laughs> no problem. Um, no, but it's it, in all honesty, I actually am very much introverted and like my alone time and being kind of quiet. But my personality and everything that I kind of put out, even since I was a little kid, I've always been the person that was like, "How are you doing? Oh my gosh, whatever." But then very kind of like, "Okay, great." That when was you're that. home, you're home. Right. Like you're exactly. locked in. That's 100%. how I. Yes. My, I think my. Um, tranquil place if you will is at home with my husband and my cat and you know if i had the choice of do you want to go out and go to a street party and have like a <laughs> million drinks i'd be like mm, not really you yeah. know and sometimes i feel bad for being antisocial, but i think that's when i'm able to why am i smacking my lips <laughs> um it's the boba <laughs> i i think it's you know that's when i get to be rejuvenated and have the calm because, you know, like TV reporters, you know, we're out all the time. And literally this year, I know a lot of people have been at home, but we've been covering every single rally, every protest, BLM, AAPI, you know, um, everything that's out there. And so it takes a lot of energy to be out in the public constantly. Right. And so like, I just want to go home. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I think it's interesting, though, because you bring up the fact that you would rather, you know, just be kind of at home yeah. is your very kind of tranquil place. Totally. But in our community, pre-COVID, obviously, you know, being gay men, I feel like it's almost like this unwritten word that you have to be like this social butterfly. You have that to has, be, a, yeah. It has to be at every event, out of the bars. Girl, you better go meet me in WeHo, meet me in downtown. We're going to go get drinks. That's brunch. Is that, do you ever feel like there's almost like a pressure to be a part of that, especially because you do have such a presence? 100%. 100%. And I don't know if it's the KTLA effect. Mm -hmm. I mean, because I've only been here for three years. Right. And I can tell you, I used to work for NBC4 here in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. um, great organization, very professional, very different from KTLA. Right. But I can tell you that within the past uh, eight months of just working at KTLA, I don't know what it is. But people come up to the live truck, take photos, want to talk to you, which is great, which I, I love it. And you, you really feel in tune with the community. But at the same time, to answer your question, um, yeah, because they expect you to be this person who is out all the time. Let's brunch 24-7. Right. Or I get a lot of invitations and I do almost feel guilty because I mm. say nine times out of ten, I say no. Right. And I'm like, I hope they don't think I'm rude or mm. like, why is this person so antisocial? Right. But that just that's how I am. Yeah. But yeah, no, that people expect you to be out like drunk in the middle of the day yeah but I, I i'm sorry i can't yeah well i think you know you have such an amazing presence and your personality really does shine on your social media and so i think that the persona it's the, it's the filter stop 
it's not the, it's not the filter. It's it's the Gene King effect. Yeah, I know, but I think that because of that, right? People also think that wow, you must be like that all the time, right? It's like there's almost no on and off switch is yeah. in the persona of who you are. Yeah. So when they run into you at Trader Joe's and you're just trying to like get your freaking meal and like get out, I'm sure you're kind of like, well, why aren't you like the Gene King and oh my God, welcome da da da, da or doing a funny you know skit or whatever, or yeah. eating your food or giving yeah, us yeah, those yeah. ASMR moments oh on your on your Instagram stories, but I don't I, I don't know. I think there is kind of a fine line because social media is is twenty four seven on for so many people and similar to that like of the news right yeah. we would we are now living and have been living for quite some time in this 24-hour news cycle um it, it never it never stops right and you know? do you ever feel like it's extremely exhausting to the point where like you, what do you do you have to take time for yourself to just step away and oh yeah turn it off totally i mean the thing is that like as a news person people think that I'm not going to speak about all news people and journalists. Mm -hmm. Some people are news addicts, and that's literally all they do is they they look through the CNN headlines. They're on their phone constantly. They're looking at Twitter. And this, and so I'm a big um, proponent for mental health because all of that can be too much. Right. So after work, I'm not the one who's looking for CNN headlines I'm because I, I do that all the time. Right. So I put the phone away, and then I just live life and do whatever you need to do to right. be mentally healthy and physically healthy. Cause I think that's very important because I will tell you, I've seen journalists who get burnt out so fast, exhausted and they leave the business. Right. Cause they're like, I can't deal with this. There's a lot of negativity sometimes. Um, so you have to create your own balance like in any field really. Yeah. No, I think there's always, yeah, there's definitely a balance of work and play and personal time and taking care of yourself and, you know, talking about kind of mental health as well. I think that it's it's so necessary for us to have um, a real sense of kind of like who we are and what is really necessary mm. for us to kind of be healthy yeah. and not just in the physical sense, but mentally not, um, you know, there's just been such an onslaught, as you mentioned, you know, all throughout last year with COVID and AAIP as well as BLM and, um, you know, fighting for LGBTQ rights, all these things. So, um, you know, I know that you kind of have spoken out about mental health mm -hmm. as well as, you know, really shared on live broadcast, uh, kind of your own personal story of, you know, having this Buddhist practice and being mm. able to kind of, uh, win over yourself. But, um, do you, are, you're also an advocate for mental health? Yeah, totally. I think because this day and age, I think in just the year alone in the pandemic, we have seen when you look at the percentages of even young children um, and adults suffering from severe anxiety and depression and PTSD. And you know, so all of these really bad things are happening. Um, that's why I think it's really important uh, to be able to go find a therapist or do what you need. Some people do yoga. Mm -hmm. I, I chant, Nam Myoho You know, that helps as a form of active meditation. But you know, I'm also, um, someone who survived child abuse and domestic violence. And I'm very open about it yeah. because I think it's one of those things that still has a lot of stigma to it. Absolutely. And so on KTLA, I was so happy because our executive producer, Mazin, um, 
you know, called me one day and was like, oh, your your co-anchor, Lynette, you know, she she was saying that she saw something on social media. You were talking about helping a homeless woman and then you crying and then you shared about your domestic violence because that homeless woman survived or was going through domestic violence. And so that's where I use social media, like in, in a positive way. And that became a live TV segment because, you know, they're like, would you be comfortable talking about this? I was like, no, hell no, I'm not comfortable. Like who says, yes, let me talk about this extremely serious subject. But the more that I chanted about it, I realized I go, you know what? We were born into these lives because we are going to go through things, whatever you're going through, but we're also able to change, transform it, overcome it. But we have to talk about it. Yeah. And once I talked about it on live TV, Alan, you don't know how many people literally from around the world, not just LA, started contacting me. Survivors, um, people who are going through it, people who want to know about Buddhism. And it was mind blowing. And like my DMs, I was like, I spent four hours responding to these people. And I was like, I need an assistant. I need someone who was, but it was was a positive overwhelming because I was like, wow, people are really looking for an answer to alleviate what they're going through. Right. Um, and so in that regard, it felt very hopeful, but yes, we have to be able to talk about things or else you're just going to explode mentally. Right. And yeah. that's not a good thing. Yeah. Well, I think that, you know, so much of what you do talk about, there's a lot of the fun, you know, and oh, like yeah. we're talking, but I think that you really use your platform, not only as just a reporter, but just as like a great individual who is really kind of speaking out and telling these stories. Thanks, Alan. No, in all seriousness, I do think that, you know, there's so many people on social media as quote unquote, I'm air quoting here, influencers, right? Mm. But the only influence they have is by the brands or the people Mm. that they're trying to support or sell. And I mean, maybe other than Boba Time, you're really just all about (laughs) supporting your, uh, you know, what your, what the causes are that you're really interested and, you know, want to help people to, you know, break through whatever it is that they're going through by your own example. Well, I think it's really important because um, there's a lot of people who it's, not just me, I've been influenced by other very positive people too. Like I, I always go back to Tina Turner, but she has this amazing documentary on HBO. Mm -hmm. She talks about being Buddhist. She talks about these amazing concepts like never give up impossible into possible poison into medicine stuff that we hear in our Buddhist practice, but she lives it. She literally rejuvenated and reinvented herself as the first female rock star selling out stadiums because that was her dream at 50. Yes. Like what? Yes. And she made it happen and she literally cut her hair, gave herself a new look. I mean, but she never gave up. And so there are those people who inspire others. So, you know, if it takes, it only takes one person to speak out. Yeah. And I think that that's, that's exactly kind of what you're doing and using your platform, not only on KTLA five and, you know, in broadcast, but using your social media to be able to share your story and help other people to understand like the, the power of their own lives and to like have that never give up spirit. Um, my question is, have you ever, or has there been a moment, uh, in the last, you know, few years or 15 years, let's say, uh, that you feel like you've quote unquote made it, or there's been like a moment that you're like, damn, like I achieved this goal that I was really going to going after. Um, and you know, that, Hmm. that felt amazing. Um, definitely this podcast. I've, I've, I've come into this moment when Alan said, please be on the podcast. I was like, I'm going places. 
one hundred percent. No, but uh, honestly, it's as as I'm joking, but I'm not because I was like, why do you want to talk to me? It's funny because when people reach out and say, could you talk to this group of young people or college students or high school kids or whatever? I'm literally wowed every single time. I'm like, I, maybe it's that's just my old self. And I'm like, why would you want to talk to me? Hmm. I was like, there are so many more interesting people in this world. And then I realized, like, oh, because I guess not a lot of people talk about real things. Right. You know, it's very easy to talk about. I love boba. Or, you know, <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about, you know, this makeup product or, right. you know, like right. that kind of stuff. Um, but when it comes to human relationships and, you know, a lot of internal things, um, I think my wow moment was, I think it was actually winning an Emmy award. And yes. I was, I didn't know, this is why I never thought that I would ever win an award for anything. <laughs> that's, mm. and that's my own negative self doubt. Right. That's my, my childhood self saying, mm. oh, I'm not worthy of this. Why right. would I, you know, and it's really, the Emmy is just a big paperweight statue. It is, a, <laughs> it's just freaking heavy, you know, right. but I won it when I was in San Diego and I remember like, Oh, <laughs> I thought I was going to die. Right. Like we were covering a wildfire and I remember walking on someone's patio and the neighborhood had been evacuated. Right. So no one was there. We were there before the firefighters showed up. Wow. So literally there was flame and I'm from Chicago. We don't have wildfires. Flames. We have, <laughs> we have house fires and yes. that's it. Yeah. So, you know, the flames were skipping from palm tree to palm tree mm. to house to house to roof. And then it was in this person's backyard. It was my photographer, Julio, and myself. And we're on this patio, and I could feel the flames. Wow. It was so intense and so hot. And I remember walking onto this creaky old patio thinking, oh, my God, we're on live coverage. What if I fall through? Right. It was so rickety. Right. And then the anchors, um, Dan and Nichelle, you know, they told me, Gene, that looks so scary. Step back. Right. So I stepped back. But that was the moment um, that video won us an Emmy Award. Wow. And was I thinking I'm going to get an award? No. No. No, not at all. But I was just doing my job and, uh, you know, really talking about, you know, people who are unfortunately lost their homes, you know. Mm -hmm. But fortunately, they were they're okay. They right. weren't hurt. Right. But those are some real life moments where I was like, I think I'm making it. I mm. think I'm doing my job well. That's right. all I want to do. I just want to do a good job. Yeah. Um, but to be recognized is amazing. And then I actually uh, dedicated that to our SGI USA, our SGI president, Daisaku Okeda. Because wow. um, I was so grateful to our men my mentor in faith. Yeah. Um, just that really the trajectory of my life had totally changed. I realized I'm like, I could have turned out a very different person. Right. You know? Um, so I had so much gratitude. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I think that you're very humble in regards to kind of the oh why do you want you why do you want me to talk to these people why do you want me to do this or oh my gosh you have this very like little old me what? I, I know and I then people it. it's funny because people make fun of me like they joke and they yeah. go stop with the act they're right. like they're like you know you want it right. and I was like no, no but I'm like genuinely surprised yeah. and then I have to let it sink in yeah. like oh I get it yeah I know because you know we'll talk offline or offline we'll talk not when we're on the podcast <laughs> and you know you'll be like oh my god Alan it is so crazy you know like hundreds of people if not thousands of people have contacted me about this thing and I'm like and, Gene Kang you have a platform <laughs> of would... like thousands of people around the world that are watching you how do you not know don't these understand. people are going to reach out to you I can't, well you know it's really weird I guess I've become so I know at least for TV I've, I've become so comfortable because 
I don't talk to an audience full of 500 people right. when it's I'm on the it's just, show. No, it's just me and a camera and my right. my cameraman. Right. And I've gotten so comfortable after 17 years is that I guess it comes off naturally. Mm -hmm. But I keep on forgetting that I'm being zoomed into people's homes while they're making breakfast and who knows what else, right? right. In their most private of places. Right. And I really forget that kind of uh, sphere of influence, if you will. Absolutely. And I swear it's not a gimmick either. No, it's not. No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, you're you're very genuine. I'm like, what? Literally, the shock is is always there. I laugh and I giggle about it because it does seem like, girl, wake up to it. Like, hello. Because <laughs> you see from you see me from the outside, right? And then from the inside, I'm just like, what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> the little child gene. Yeah, the little is just the like, little boy really? gene this is, is like possible. This is happening. <laughs> <laughs> that's so good. I love it. I wanted to know kind of what brings you the most happiness now versus when you started out in your industry. Hmm. Um, this is going to sound funny. Uh, this is a running joke in our, in our business. And I think it's after you've been a veteran or you've been doing, you know, TV news for, for quite a while. Mm -hmm. I remember the first job you're like, I want to be in every show. I want to be in every broadcast. I want to be in every live shot. Oh, you want me Monday through Friday and the weekends. Okay. I want to be on TV all the time. Like, Seriously. That's the go, yeah. And so, like, when you're 20s, go, go, go. Now we're like, oh, you don't want us to do a live shot? All right, bye. I'm going home. <laughs> you know what? Like, <laughs> like, peace. I got this. I'm out. Bye. Okay. You know, and it's it's not that we don't love our jobs. I absolutely still consider this my dream job. Mm -hmm. um, but it is. It's, it's like, I think after you do a while, you get a little tired. And you're like, I enjoy the time that I spend with my husband. Um, because we're both extremely busy people. And we you know, volunteer for so many other things. But for me, the happy place is, this is the true introvert. It's like uh, my husband, Dan Nevis and I, we get invited out everywhere all the time because mm -hmm. people perceive us as, oh, they must be this like, you know, party couple, social, couple, yeah, yeah. social butterflies. And we're literally not like us going to a movie theater and <laughs> being in the dark and enjoying a movie. That's our weekend. Like yeah. that's, that's fun for me. That's my happy place. Or... Um, my dad's a veterinarian, so I grew up with like <laughs> the land of misfit toys of cats and dogs. So mm -hmm. I love cats and dogs, you know? And so those little things in life, I guess, bring me joy. Um, and I, I have very, very close circle of friends and sometimes I don't let people into my bubble, Right. but my friends are literally my family mm. and I would do anything for them. So, you know, based on kind of what you just shared, um, it sounds like you have, a very like hard work ethic. Um, and you know, being creative is not no easy task, obviously. So, uh, what does it take for you to really like do your work? And because especially in your field, you know, you do these early, early morning weekend shows where, you know, your call time, you're like, girl, don't text me right now. Cause I have to be up at two. <laughs> so kind of what, what gives you that drive or like, how do you have that type of work ethic to be able to do that type of work? Oh, gosh. Um, you know what? Flat out, I'll be honest. There are certain stories in, in the news cycle where mm -hmm. you're like, oh, this story again. Mm -hmm. Like, and I'll, and I'll explain. So, you know, if you have to work, usually you have to work holidays, you right. know, in this business. And so if you do a Christmas story, it's like, hey, let's go talk to the Christmas shoppers. Last minute shoppers, what are you buying? And I'm like, 
I've been doing this story for 17 years. What else? Live. What what kind of questions can you ask them? You know, right. you have to try to be inventive and do right. something different. And so this year I was like, I'll be honest. I was like, oh, I'm working Christmas. I'm the new guy in KTLA. Mm-hmm. Okay, let me make this fun. And right. Buddhism does help too. I chant it. And then it gave me kind of that creative juice. Mm-hmm. And I was like you know what, let's turn this into a Christmas poem. If this is a story that I have to do, um, instead of begrudging it and making it super boring for the viewers, Mm -hmm. I'll turn this into a um, Christmas poem that is fun and I'll add some, you know, great music to the story and a good time. And, you know, as something that could have been a horrible story about Christmas <laughs> shopping, come yes. on, yeah. right? Especially during COVID. Especially during COVID with, with masks on and stuff. Uh, people actually responded and said, oh, my God, that actually brought me some joy when I watched it. Hmm. And I go, all right. Well, if at least one person thought it was joyful, then in a pandemic world, I guess I did a good job. Right. You know, um, so I think I, I have to constantly remind myself that this, what we do in the creative industry does have an effect on people. Absolutely. Like that's why I have so much respect for people like you hmm. who are photographers, who are artists, um, for singers, actors. We live in Hollywood, you know, of all places. But, you know, these types of movies, stories, photography, storytelling, um, it does resonate with people and it does inspire them. We may not always hear that it does. Right. Um, but it does touch people's hearts. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so what's one thing that you've learned about yourself, uh, from working in your industry? I mean, you did kind of share already so much about yourself, but is there something specifically that, um, kind of came out of yourself? (laughs) I came Um, out a long time ago, um, no, but like specifically, um, that you kind of were able to learn about yourself being in this industry and working, you know, with all types of personalities and obviously in different, you know, areas of the country, I'm sure something kind of came out of that. You're like, wow, like the ability to keep going in in all of this. Yeah. You know, I honestly, I think the thing I'm, I consider also a strength is that I'm very sincere Mm -hmm. and I, but at the same time, it's a double-edged sword mm. because people like, oh, wow, you're so sweet and kind and you're, you know, very sincere. And, you know, I try to, be, I, that's how I try to be. Yeah. But let me tell you, TV news is a cutthroat business. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not going to say everybody's a backstabber. That's not the case. Right. Um, but it is extremely competitive. That's the right. nature of, you know, one TV station. It's almost like Anchorman. But not, oh, wow. not, we don't not throw nuts. javelins at each other okay. or it, not like that. Yeah. Just but words. Yeah. It just works. Or it is. <laughs> <laughs> Nunchuck. Or microphones. Nunchucks, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's competitive because you do want to get the get on a story or whatever. Right. Um, but I believe in good karma and I don't believe on stepping on other people's toes or doing that to get a story, right? Mm-hmm. Or an interview. Um, but I think some people have underestimated me because mm. I I can say this because I'm Korean American and I'm Asian, but I'm like a ninja. I like this is how I do my job for real. Like you don't even know sometimes that I'm there mm-hmm. and I get my job done. I do my interviews. I write the story and I'm very fast yeah. and I execute and I am out of there and people don't even know. And they're like, what happened? Wow. The, so that's one of my strengths. That's um, amazing. but at the same time I say it's a weakness, um, because I realize that some people think, uh, yeah, I may be a doormat like, Oh, he's mm. so nice. Right. And then I, for some reason, this is my life. I attract a lot of people who are like, you know, try to take advantage of you or mm-hmm. underestimate me. Right. And then later they realize it's like, 
oh no, he knows his stuff, right? You know, yeah. so, but I think that happens to a lot of people no matter what business that you're in. Right. So my thing is always be sincere no matter what happens. Yeah. Just be sincere. Yeah. I will say you are extremely sincere, but don't mess with Gene King. Uh-oh. Because... I am a Leo. Yeah, because <laughs> I've seen some of the comments that some people have written to you and you are not about it on social media or if in, in person for that matter. She's like, oh no, she did. Don't. Do not come for me. Period. Done. We're down. We're cut. You're oh out. my God. Deceased. Well, that's true. That's true. No, I am always very, very nice. But then there is a line where I'm like, okay, that was too much. Right. But... I do. It's always a lesson for me because I always have to end up speaking up for myself or really for other people too. Right. And I'm like, nope, let's not do this now. Yeah. yeah. Let's not, no. let's not play. Let's not waste anyone's time. <laughs> let's cut to the chase. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I understand though. And I feel like you have to have some sense of like boundaries in that regard. Totally. And especially yeah. because people feel, I mean, in your industry, but also you being so open and out there, I think that people probably think that they can take advantage of you or say whatever the hell they want to say on social media right. and that you're just going to like take it or just like, oh, it's just another comment. But it's kind of like you'll shut it down and you'll shut it down fast, which I think is great. And I think you should be, you know, in the most sincere, but also cunning <laughs> and vicious way necessary. Well, you know, witty, you can be witty. 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 Oh, that's a good word. Hey, witty. witty. Hey, witty. Hey, witty. Hey, witty Houston. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Deceased. Start. So, start. Ding. Okay, so um, who has been your biggest supporter or fan that's really helped you to keep going through this whole thing? Oh, that's my husband. Yeah. Yeah. No, Dan, actually, he was in grad school in Chicago. I was an undergrad. And I distinctly remember, you know, like when we first started dating, I was this like kind of naive 19 year old. And then I was just starting my journalism career or studying it mm -hmm. and taking internships. And he dropped me off at my internship at Fox Aww. in Chicago. And then he drove away. And, and then I, I remember asking, I was like, do you think that I could possibly be a TV reporter? Cause it was like not in the realm of possibility, mm. but he with 100% confidence said, yeah, I absolutely see that. And there was no stutter. There was no pause. And I'm like, Okay. And so I think that's also why we've been together for 23 years as yeah. we've supported each other through thick and thin and we're literally each other's best friends and number one supporters. And so when he was taking off in his career in um, nonprofit headhunting and, mm -hmm. you know, some really challenging work, I always, you know, supported him as well, but he's been my number one person. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cause you guys, you know, like you mentioned earlier, you have been together through, you know, the long distance. Yeah. And then obviously you guys have moved together across the country to San Diego and then obviously to LA. Um, and, you know, I think that having someone like that is ultimately kind of what keeps you going, right? Right. Having, having that cheerleader, if you will, for lack of a better term. Um, That's totally what it is. Right. Cheerleader. Keep you going because they're the ones you're going to come home to. And when you've had a bad day or you're really going through it, they're the ones that are going to be there to kind of support you and make sure that you're able to get up, you know, and keep on going. So, you know, last year, obviously so many people were affected by COVID-19, mm -hmm. um, but you know, in every kind of way. Uh, so what was it like for you? Um, and th what really kept you going? Um, and that really has gotten you into 2021, you know, obviously mm. your industry doesn't stop. Like you said, no yeah. matter what's happening, holiday, sun, <laughs> snow, rain, whatever, but being a reporter and covering not only COVID-19, but everything else that kind of came with 2020. Yeah. Um, 
how were you able to kind of get through that? Mm, it was a lot for me personally. It it created a lot of anxiety and depression and sort of mm. triggering triggering all of this kind of stuff. Like, I do still have to manage my PTSD from mm -hmm. from years ago. Right. And so I, you know, had the courage last year to. I was very fortunate. I, I happened to be looking for um, story ideas on mental health. Mm -hmm. And of all things, I look on the West Hollywood website and I'm like, oh, I wonder if I can talk to this counselor and interview them and whatnot. And at the bottom, there's like this little asterisk that says, if you live in West Hollywood, you get 16 free therapy sessions with yes. a professional at the LGBTQ center, right. um, QIA center. And I was like, what? You know, and it came at a time where I was kind of struggling financially. Mm -hmm. So I was like, this is such a benefit. And right. I took full advantage of that. But that has helped me to unplug because let me tell you, if a journalist says that they are not affected, um, they are full on lying. Right. I don't know how you can cover these really intense stories. Um, and, you know, part of our job is we go to people's homes who um, their son has just been murdered. Right. And they're, you know, in that moment, just bawling their eyes out. And it's probably the lowest moment in their lives. Right. And to be one of the first people to talk to them. Uh, that's why I, I think sincerity is so important, but for me, I'm an empath. Mm -hmm. So I take a, I absorb all of that emotion and then I'll take it home with me and then mm -hmm. I start to feel it, right. you know? And that's when Dan is like, you need to chant. We're both mm -hmm. Buddhist mm -hmm. or maybe you should call your therapist. You mm -hmm. look kind of like you're holding your breath. And literally my therapist told me I hold my breath when mm -hmm. I'm stressed out. Right. And she told me, she's like, you need to release right. and you need to be able to manage this in a much healthier way. Right. So going into 2021, I'm uh, mentally much healthier That's because great. I feel much more in control. Mm -hmm. And I realize if I'm freaking out internally, there are certain things that I'm doing and I have to be able to get through it. Right. Um, but yeah, it's been a learning lesson this year. It's been really tough for a lot of people, yeah. you know, so. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think what you're talking about also, you seem to have a lot of compassion for people because you have to, you know, in your industry, like you're saying, if you're showing up and someone has lost their life or the family is grieving and yeah. everything, having compassion for people that you really don't know. Literally just met. Yeah, literally right. just met. And um, having a sense of kind of, you know, what they might be going through and mm. how can you relate to them, but mm. also, you know, clearly getting your story that you need as mm. well, because you know, you're there to do your job. I will say this. There's many times where people have later commented, um, for example, someone who lost a loved one to gun violence or something mm -hmm. really serious. Right. And, uh, this is when I know I'm doing something compassionate because I remember I interviewed this, um, mother in Santa Monica. She had lost her daughter, um, young daughter and it was to gun violence on a, on a bus in Santa Monica and, and and she the daughter was actually trying to shield and protect someone one of her friends when right. she was shot I mean this is like wow. really crazy right and so we deal with this kind of real life stuff mm. and I remember going to that mother's home and interviewing her um, and she was crying the whole family is crying and people are sharing the the most intimate memories of that loved one right and I just remember trying to just absolutely listen to every word. I gave the mother a hug. You know, that's not out of the question. Right. You know, I'm still professional. And I told them, I'm like, if I can do anything to help, um, please let me know. Gave them the business card after the interview. 
And like two months later, she contacted me on Facebook. We mm. became Facebook friends. And she was like, I just want to thank you for that moment um, because that was a very low moment for my life. Wow. But at the same time, you were the only reporter who contacted me who asked me how I was doing and if there's anything that you could do for me. Mm. And she said, this is not a comparison, but she said the other reporters just wanted an interview. Right. And so I think there is a fine line. There is also actually a very big difference in how you approach people. And people can tell. People can tell if you have an open heart and yeah. what your intentions are. Yeah. Um, and I, it, that makes a, a, a difference in the world. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I think sharing that compassion comes across in the stories that you tell as well, though. You know, and I think that being able to um, have like a heart-to-heart -heart dialogue actually mm -hmm. makes the story and... Uh, what you do that much stronger because mm. you're not feeling the sense of, oh, wow, like it's just another story on the news, right? Yeah. Because this 24 hour news cycle is going to keep on going on no matter what. And even more intense. If they can right. add a 25th hour, they would. I, 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 mean, <laughs> I feel like yeah. nonstop. Yeah. It doesn't matter what time of day there's something going on and something happening that they're going to cover. So, um, yeah, but kind of looking towards the future, um, you know, do you have any specific goals in the next year, three mm. years, five years, 10 years from now that you see Gene Kang going mm. towards? Um, it's funny because I was I was kind of like unearthing these dreams that I mm. maybe have put away into a, you know, locked away into a closet somewhere. And uh, <laughs> this pandemic year has really made me focus on, you know, what is really important. But then also, like, what are those things that I've still wanted to accomplish right like tina started doing her thing at 50 exactly that means i've got a while <laughs> i have got plenty, have plenty of times right and um you know like as cheesy as it sounds but i i actually do want to be that 100 year old youthful looking person who's still around and still fighting right. and um i actually i would like to be in movies in mm. what capacity i don't know um, maybe being that reporter, you know, and, and the next Avengers or what, you know, whatever, I don't know. Um, but you know, since we're, we're in Hollywood, I mean, it's mm -hmm. right here in our backyard. That's an amazing thing. Um, another thing too, is that, yeah, I would like to be a TV host and an anchor. And like, this is where I'm putting down my roots. I don't see myself going anywhere else. Amazing. Yeah. So I'm just waiting for people to retire. Yes. <laughs> so, yes. you know, are you listening out there? <laughs> KTLA fam? Hello, hello. No, I love I <laughs> I love my coworkers. It really yeah. is like a big TV family. Right. Um but you know, if there is an opportunity where someone does retire or move on and, you know, I would love to be able to be considered, right? You know, and Absolutely. uh to be a face here because I do still I grew up in a place in Chicago where I never saw anybody that looked or sounded or anything, you know, because representation matters. Mm -hmm. I never saw openly gay men, never right. saw Asian men on TV. Um, here in L.A., it's a little more common. Right. But I still would like to be part of that culture of, of change, if you will. Right. For, you know, racial equity. Yeah. Well, I think also what you're talking about is breaking down those stereotypes as mm -hmm. well. Because, mm -hmm. you know, I think we are here in Hollywood. And so, so many things are sh slowly shifting, which is great. But... I think, yeah, being those people on television and in the spotlight and on social media, standing up for these things and shifting that narrative so it is more broadly seen and actually, to be honest, really represents what, you know, the United States, but it also really like the world for that matter really represents uh, is, is really crucial. Um, 
It sounds like uh, I think you mentioned that your family is all still in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Are you really closely connected with your family? I know obviously you shared um, a little bit earlier about, you know, of your past and your childhood and everything. Um, but has, you know, being on two separate, not even coasts, but, you know, being so separated, separated by, distance, yeah, by yeah. distance, is that difficult or have you really been able to stay in touch? It's interesting because like my parents have slowly learned how to text message because nice. they're in their 70s. So yeah. and though now my mom is like, you know, she learned these emojis and some sayings <laughs> and stuff. And okay, I don't know, like, I swear I felt like someone stole her phone because <laughs> I was like, you know, I just sent her a simple text message maybe a couple weeks ago and I was like, mom, how are you doing? You know, mm-hmm. just kind of checking in, right. making sure they're okay, vaccinated, all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And so she is at home retired and she sends me this message and it says, I'm doing fine, child. And I'm like, oh, what? what? <laughs> Where did you learn this? Who is your child? Yeah, what child? I was like, what? And then, you know, I had like this like heart emoji and funny face. And I'm thinking, okay, my mom's in her 70s. Where on earth? Who taught her this? So, you know, she's got some extra time on her hands. There you go. Um, but no, the, the texting and then I taught her, we taught her how to do FaceTime. Oh, amazing. And so saw her. Um, I also text my dad, call my dad. He still works six days a week at his uh, veterinary clinic. Wow. You know, but I always check in with him, making sure he's healthy and, and he's doing well. But yeah. thank goodness for technology. Yeah, you absolutely. Know? No, I definitely... Um, I think it helps to really be able to be connected. And, yeah. you know, like you had mentioned before, I think COVID makes you really kind of see your life and kind of who and what is in it from a different perspective and have like so much more appreciation for it. And what's important exactly. in life. Yeah, yeah. And what really matters. And, you know, for me personally, I think it's family and it sounds like for you as well. It, it totally really, is. Yeah. It, it kind of brings that up. And yeah, without technology, it's kind of like, where the hell would we be? I don't know. <laughs> you know, what uh, What would you see yourself in like 15 years? I love the fact that you said you want to settle. Are you planting roots here in L.A.? And that's kind of like your long term and being more involved in television and stuff. But, you know, 2035, I think, is is 15 years from now, which is crazy to even oh say that. God. Sounds like a futuristic movie. And 2035, Whoa. we will be in. Yes. Where will you be? Where do you want to see yourself? Um, I will see still be here but i will own ktla yes <laughs> you are the i will own everything <laughs> so the k will stand for kang so yes ktla <laughs> no um but in all seriousness i i will definitely be here i you know what I've always also dreamed of creating my own type of talk show because yes. i do still um, in many ways have been awed by Oprah Winfrey mm-hmm. just to see where she came from, her right. roots from the South and similar kind of family experiences. I know she's had a very difficult childhood, but to see her from nothing to build this literally like an empire, media mm-hmm. empire um, in 15 years. Could I do that? Who knows? Um, but maybe who knows? Maybe I could be the first Asian male TV host talk show host there is none right now right right but i see media changing in the next 15 years i mean like i just saw there's a new marvel movie with an asian lead Mm -hmm. asian superhero and i was like whoa yeah you know there's also a new um asian james bond i don't know if you've oh i didn't know that yeah um it's not specifically james bond the film but uh one of the actors that is in um Mortal Kombat, the new action film that's getting released, I think, this week, oh, actually. Wow. Yeah. Um, he actually just got cast to be the star of this new 
um, action film that is very James Bond-esque. That's and amazing. He's, yeah, Asian-American. So yeah, the tides are turning and I, I think that things are really starting to change. But yeah, I would love to see you on a talk show um, of your own and really being able to you know host and interview and Thank really you. kind of get those stories out there. You'll be my first guest. Oh, wow. I feel very, very honored. No pressure. Case. Yeah, no, no pressure. kidding. I need to beat my face. Then, you better. It's not just audio. <laughs> no, so you'll have to. You'll have to give oh, me those the, tips. I don't. We'll have someone beat your face. Oh, and make, do your yes, hair, hair, and makeup, then, and yes. wardrobe. I yes. will bring my own people. I'll yes. make sure to make sure to hook that all up. You know, obviously, the last thing I really want to talk about briefly is, you know, the the name of this podcast is The Creative Lotus, specifically because, as you know, as an SGI Buddhist, uh, the lotus really represents the simultaneity of cause and effect Mm -hmm. that when, you know, the flower blooms, it's also seeding at the same time. But there's no way for it to do that without kind of like the muck or the Mm. struggles underneath Mm. in order for Mm. that to happen. So with everything that you've really just shared, just to kind of wrap it up, you know, all the struggles that you've gone through throughout COVID, but then also like your childhood and how have you been able to kind of express yourself, I guess, or do you really see yourself as kind of this fully blossomed Lotus mm. or are you like creating a pond of Lotus? Mm. Mm. Um, I, th- I think, you know what? It's interesting. You're, you're talking about this because I, during the pandemic, my husband and I have become, he's become a birder. So he can, right. he can tell you like exactly, oh, that's a red feather. That's a, a warbler, blah, 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 blah. Wow. And so I've gone into amateur photography of all mm-hmm. things and taking pictures of nature and all this stuff. And so we went to Echo Park many times because mm-hmm. that was the one thing you could safely do. Right. And the Lotus Pond, uh, the flowers there are so amazing. Stunning. Yeah. They look like alien flowers. Yeah. They're as, literally as big as your head or bigger, mm-hmm. you know, in all shades, pink and white and they're gorgeous and so i bring this up because i happen to go read there's like a little placard and explains the lotus festival and all that but more so about the nature of the lotus flower itself Mm -hmm. and i was kind of surprised to read that um it uses the muddy swamp and transforms like i think it was the nitrous or the phosphorus or some Mm -hmm. kind of chemical that can be poisonous in the swamp in the pond and it transforms it and uses it as nutrient. Wow. And I was like, whoa, that's actual science. <laughs> We're right. not making this up. Right. Um, so I realized that, you know, we all have obstacles, but you know you're transforming it. I know that I'm shining when I see people around me. Like, I don't believe in signs, but then I do believe in when I see someone really succeeding in their life, whether it's someone who's a close friend or someone who's at work. And I'm like, you know what? We have an influence and we have a power in our environment. Sometimes we have to really look at it, though, Mm -hmm. because you can't notice it. That's when I'm like, yes, lotuses, lotuses everywhere. Because who doesn't love a beautiful flower? Absolutely. So we need more of that. Yeah, absolutely. I think that making the your own change or your own flowering, actually, like you said, kind of changes those around you. Like I said, many times on this already, you have such an influence, even if you're not aware of it yourself or shocked by it, the little, oh my God, oh my God, what? what? can't that's the five-year-old that comes out yeah but no i mean i think that that inner child though you know probably would be looking to you now and be so proud of like where you've come Mm. and and how much you've achieved Mm. you know from your your start in chicago to now being in la and Mm. doing what you really love and being happily married and creating this life here in LA. So, mm. and I, I want to say thank you so much for inviting me because it is, it's great to actually sit here and have a focus and talk about life. And then, you know, I know we're both, um, 
the type of people who like to encourage young people too. Mm -hmm. It is, it's mind blowing when I see very young people who are like nine, 10, 11, and they know that they may be gay and they come into their own very quickly. Mm -hmm. But those are the types of people who I think are really watching us. Right. You know, they're like, oh, wow, this is possible. Right. There is something beyond 15, right? right? There's, there's life beyond that. So Thank you for so much for having me. Of course. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here and sharing so much of your personal story and everything. Uh, listeners would like to follow you. Where can they follow you at? Um, at Alan Zaki. Stop. At, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's at Gene Kang TV on Instagram. And that's the one. That's also the same thing for all of my social media platforms. But Amazing. I actually don't like Twitter. Yeah, I'm not a It's fan a of little either. too negative for me. Not only that, to be honest, maybe I'm just not the keen, fast-witted type of person, but it almost feels like you're literally in the 24-hour news cycle, like, and you're just getting spun around in it. It's too much. It's too much. And I feel like if you don't know how to use it properly, and there's people that, hundreds of millions of people that do, um, you can just get really caught up in it, but... Yeah, I feel like it's a battle of words on Twitter. Right. And then you don't know who you're really talking to. Right. And sometimes it is very negative. Yeah. So Instagram, I love pictures. Yes. You well, love, no, you're, I love pictures. You're you great know, on stories and videos and yeah, pictures and all the Makeup things. tutorials. Yes. Please teach us how to beat your face. Yes. And your eyebrows. Get that done. Oh my gosh. And your eyebrows are so <laughs> fierce. So yes, that's coming next with Gene okay. Kang. I'm like, let's do a Hello. show here. Welcome to the Gene Kang show. I'm the sidekick, Alan Zaki. Oh my God, we would have such a fun show. We would. It'd be great. Tune in. Maybe it's coming soon. <laughs> They're like, what are you guys talking about? Exactly. Nothing. Nothing at all. <laughs> um, but no, awesome. So at Gene Kang TV on Instagram, please go give him a follow and check it out. Thank you. And thank you so much for being here. And yeah, let's um, Nam Yeho Renge Kyo it up. Yes. Change the world. Nam Yeho Renge Kyo and drink lots of boba. <laughs> If, if Boba Time is listening, please give this man a sponsorship <laughs> because he's addicted. I tag you on everything. Yes, Boba I, Time. I need a lifetime of Boba. And scene. Cut. <laughs> <laughs> this week's Buddhist quote is from Gene Kang. The first thing is to pray. From the moment we begin to pray, things start moving. The darker the night, the closer the dawn. From the moment we chant Nam Yoho Renge Kyo with a deep and powerful resolve, the sun begins to rise in our hearts. Hope. Prayer is the son of hope. To chant each time we face a problem, overcoming it and elevating our life condition as a result, this is the path of earthly desires our enlightenment taught in Nichiren Buddhism. My dear friends in America, from our life's mentor, Daisaku Ikeda. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the Creative Lotus Podcast. I'm your host, Alan Zaki. Please go ahead and subscribe, rate us, and write a review. And follow me at Alan Zaki on social media. I look forward to having more amazing creative dialogues on the next episode. 